Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, that's why we're here today, right? We're here to talk about the name Jesus Christ, because at the name of Jesus, the, the, the demons shudder. At the name of Jesus, lives are transformed. At the name of Jesus, spiritual realms go into activity. The name of Jesus, the bodies are healed and minds are restored. You got to remember that at the name of Jesus, something happens in the inside of you. With the name of Jesus, something supernatural changes. At the name of Jesus, it causes fear to go. At the name of Jesus, it causes oppression to leave. At the name of Jesus, discouragement must depart. At the name of Jesus, depression must bow. At the name of Jesus, every sickness and every challenge and every trial and every temptation must yield to the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is why we're here today. The name of Jesus is all we sang about. The name of Jesus is all we're about. The name of Jesus. Every time we mention the name of Jesus by faith with a mustard seed of faith, something happens in the spiritual realm in your life. You may not see it. You may not hear it. You may not feel it. You might be discouraged. You might be frustrated. You might look at your life and be upset with life, or maybe you're far from God, or maybe you've been hurt by God, or maybe you've been hurt by the church, or maybe you've been distant from God, but at the name of Jesus, he restores your heart. He restores your soul. He makes you new. He brings life. He brings transformation. At the name of Jesus, every heart is made new. At the name of Jesus, every soul is restored. At the name of Jesus, your mind today can be made new. At the very name of Jesus. That's all we're talking about. It's Jesus. The next nine weeks, Jesus. A heart, my heart would be at the end of this nine weeks that there'd be a revival in our church. Not a religiosity, not a lukewarmness, not a disconnection from the living Savior, but a revival. Revival in your heart. You say, Ryan, what's revival? Revival is when you fall in love with Jesus. Revival is when Jesus comes and interacts you and changes you and transforms you. Not religion, not uh, ideologies, not philosophies, not church attendance, not your money, not your doctrine. Jesus. Jesus is the center. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the focus. Jesus is the back. He's the front. He's the left. He's the right. He's the up. He's the down. Jesus. We're talking about in this series, this is what Paul, this is what Paul was trying to tell these people in Coloss. In the book of Colossians, a letter was written by a man named Paul who was in prison and a man named Epaphras had planted this church. He planted this church after being converted in the church of Ephesus where Paul started this amazing church. And I believe God's called us to be a church like Ephesus where we'll plant lots of churches Nephesus planted lots of churches, and Epaphras was one of those churches. He went out, and he planted a church in the city of Coloss. And he planted this church, and he was going to, to, to Rome to visit Paul, the apostle, the father of the faith, to Epaphras. And he went, and he reported to Paul. Epaphras went and said, this is how the church is going. God's moving, and I preach the gospel. And man, people are getting saved, and it's good. But he says, I'm concerned. Something's happening in the church. There's something infiltrating the church. And he began to tell Paul about the great things that were happening, but his concerns. I'm fearful that if these ideologies and these philosophies and these perspectives 
from the outside world begin to infiltrate the church, that the powerful message of Jesus Christ will be decreased in their lives, that they'll no longer recognize the greatness and the simplicity of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they will overcomplicate it by adding philosophies of this world or religiosity or ideologies or things that really don't really benefit their walk with God. And it'll go from being about Jesus, for Jesus, because of Jesus, to a place where we make it about religion or religiosity or about other things in our life. He says, I'm concerned, Paul. And Paul was concerned as well. And so he wrote this letter to a people he had never met. He never met the people of, of Colossae. He never went to their church. All he knew was that these people had heard the very message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they accepted the very simple truth of the message of Jesus Christ, the very uh, realities of Jesus Christ. And over time, as they begin to, to journey in their faith, they begin to potentially drift away from the original truth of the gospel. Now we join this series is because I actually believe that in the North American church today, this is the potential and the pandemic that might be hitting the local church in North America. Where at one time, our heart and our attention was on Jesus and Jesus alone. But over time, new age philosophies and perspectives of this world and ideologies and mindsets and religion and institution and organization have begun to shroud and cover the reality and the power and the message of the living God named Jesus. This Messiah named Jesus, this Savior named Jesus, this reality, the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus. It was once about Jesus and now it's about this. It was once about Jesus and now it's about attendance. It was once about Jesus and now it's about do-goodism. It's about religion. It's about working, doing things in my life so that God will love me and that God will care for me. I, I'm beginning to get into a, a life of do-goodism and works because I just no longer believe the message of Jesus that he loved me and then he forgave me, and then he transformed me, and he rescued me, and I did nothing to deserve it, and he called me, and he destined me, and he chose me, not because I was good, not because I got it right, not because I showed up and looked apart, simply because of the grace and the love of Jesus, and all I did was respond in faith by saying, yes, God, you can have my whole heart, you can have my whole mind, God, you can have everything, but over time, it began to be about something else. They begin to find their sustenance and their strength from Jesus. And now their attention begin to focus on themselves. They begin to find strength in their own ability and their own capacity and their own ideologies and their own philosophies and their own interpretations. And in the book of Colossians, in the Colossian church, they begin to teach a, an idea of religiosity where they begin to add religion into their walk with God because they thought that if you don't do these things, God won't accept you. Another group of people begin to uh, encourage the idea of the worship of angels where there's, there's got to be more than just the message of Jesus. There's got to be more than Jesus Christ crucified, Jesus Christ buried in the grave, Jesus Christ risen on the third day, opening access for you and I back into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. There's got to be more. There's got to be more spirituality. There's got to be more of a move. There's got to be something more. And so they began to pursue a, uh, the, the revelation from angels because when they received revelation from angels, they were an elite spiritual group of people who began to understand more about God and we were in pursuit of the revelation from angels rather than the simplicity and the foundational message of Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. 
They begin to search, and we do this. We search. We've got to search for a next move of God or the next thing or the next move or the, the next word or the next prediction or the next interpretation or the next thing. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you do that, you will drift away. You've got to keep it about Jesus. You've got to keep centered on Jesus. You've got to keep knowing Jesus because only in knowing Jesus can you truly discover why you were created and the life you were intended to live on this planet. This is Paul's concern. And this is my concern. That many of us are actually not living the life that God has called us to live right now. Rather, we're living a life where we have put our trust and our attention on ourselves. On our own capacity. On our own ability. On our own thinking. and our own ways. On our hurt. On our pain. On our loss. On our trials. On our temptations. And what happened to the church of Coloss was Paul also wrote this letter to the church of Laodicea and John in the book of Revelation wrote to the church of Laodicea and Jesus identified them as a church that was lukewarm. They became a lukewarm people. They no longer recognized the greatness of Jesus. They no longer lived a life where they were walking by faith and not by sight. They no longer lived a life where they were more than overcomers. They were overcomers through Christ who gives them strength. They were no longer walking the life where they could look a demon in the eye and tell it to be cast out. They were no longer walking the life where fear wasn't in their life because perfect love cast out fear. They were no longer living the life where they accepted the gospel as the powerful message of Jesus Christ that transforms lives. Instead, they begin to put their faith in their own religion and their own ideology, and their own philosophy, and their own interpretation, and their own experience, and they begin to decrease and minimize the impact and the greatness of Jesus. And what happens when we do that is we lose touch with who we are because who we are is attached to our identity in Jesus. So if we take our attention off of Jesus, we begin to live a life that, was not, that's, that wasn't what God intended. The challenge is we begin to live lives that look the part, act the part, sometimes walk the part. We do the religious things, but we're not seeing the activity of the power of the gospel at work in our lives. This is why Paul wrote this letter. He wrote this letter to challenge the people to come back to the very foundational reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we read in our scripture today, our key text today, what I want you to do is I want you to look at the language that Paul uses when he's talking to you. Recognize the powerful, uh, strong, deep language that Paul uses to, to remind these people of the greatness of Jesus. Look what he says in Col for Colossians 1.12 on the screen. He, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. In verse 19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth, by means of Christ's blood on the cross, this includes you, who were once far from God. You were his enemies. 
separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his presence. And you are holy and you are blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Jesus identify, or Paul identifies here that we have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. We have been transferred into the kingdom of light. We have been, he has purchased our freedom. He has forgiven our sins. He has reconciled you to God through his death. He has brought you into the very presence of a holy God. Now he sees you as holy and blameless in his sight. But probably the most powerful verse that we see here is in verse 12. That you have been enabled to share in his inheritance. You've been able to share in the very inheritance of Jesus Christ. Now many of us hear that and we think, okay, yeah, that's, that's Bible talk, Bible language. But if you understood what this meant for your life right now, it would transform how you're living because when your attention's on Jesus, when your focus is on Jesus, when you're growing in Jesus, when your help or your, your uh, heart is focused on Jesus, when you give your life to Jesus, when your whole life is centered on living for Jesus Christ, what happens is, is you begin to experience his inheritance playing out in your life today. This promise is not just for when you die and go to heaven. This promise is for right now on this planet. Everything that God originally intended for you through Adam and Eve, perfect relationship with God, perfect union, the ability to overcome the evil one, the ability to, to rule and reign and have dominion on this planet, the ability to overcome and when you're facing trials or tribulations or hardships. That is absolutely what God intended for you to have peace in your marriage and peace in your mind and joy in your life and transformation. And God planned to use you for his purposes that you might be a minister and ambassador of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what God intended for you when he created Adam and Eve. But as you know, Adam and Eve chose themselves over God. They chose to focus on knowledge over Jesus. And so what happened in that moment was they lost their inheritance. They were no longer able to rule and reign as they were intended. They were no longer able to overcome as they were intended. They were no longer able to see victory as they were intended. They were no longer to ha have a direct access to God as was originally intended. They no longer had a great marriage relationship, but now there was sin involved and selfishness and fear. They were no longer able to experience the inheritance that God intended for you and I to live right now on this planet, not when we die and go to heaven. They were no longer able to experience that reality because they chose knowledge, they chose spirituality, they chose philosophy, they chose ideology, they chose religion, they chose ritual rather than choosing Jesus. And they no longer were able to experience their inheritance, but when Jesus Christ returned, look what it says, he enabled you to share. You see, Ryan, what changed? Did I get better? Did I do better? Did I act better? Did I go to enough church? Did I read my Bible enough? Did I give enough? 
Did I curse less? Did I have less sex? Did I do less things? Did I have less bad thoughts? And the answer is no. While you were his enemy, he loved you. While you were in sin, God came down to earth in the form of a man named Jesus and died on a cross. And when you accepted him, you were now enabled to share what God intended for Adam and Eve in the garden right now. You were able to experience that life right now. He enabled you to experience this. And all we have to do is respond in faith. All I have to do is say, yes, God. All I have to do is say, God, you can have my whole heart. God, you can have my whole mind. God, you can have all the areas of unforgiveness. God, you can have my bitterness. God, you can have my addiction. God, you can have my sin. God, you can have my perspectives and my ideologies and my wounds of the past. God, you can have it all. All I can do to you is just respond in faith. A mustard seed of faith. An answer, yes, to your grace. By grace and for your grace. All I can do is say yes to you, God. I can't do anything else. I can't perform, I can't outgive you, I can't outgrace you, I can't do anything, out you anything. I just have to say yes by faith to the grace and the love and the mercy of God. But this was the challenge. Epaphras came to Paul and he identified that, that these people in the church were beginning to, to, to teach a philosophy of this world or ideology or religion was infiltrating the church. And listen to me, Jesus was no longer enough for them. It was too simple. You mean I just have to have faith and respond? You mean that I just have to let the power of the Holy Spirit speak to me? You mean I just have to move with the grace of God? I just got to move forward how God leads me and engage in relationship? And you mean I just have to yield my... Like, that's just too simple. The message of Jesus Christ is too simple. I need deeper spirituality. I need, I need religion, religion, religious structure and ritualistic ideas. I need, I need to cost me more. I need, to, I need to punish myself more because I don't deserve it. And so I'm going to punish myself even more by not receiving the blessings of God in my life. These ideas were infiltrating the church. And what happens is, is that as we diminish the greatness of Jesus, our lives and our identity and who we are is diminished as well. And we move into a place, like I mentioned earlier, where Jesus wrote to the church of Laodicea, we move into a place of being lukewarm. Where you know Jesus, you're aware of the gospel, you're aware of what that means, but because of our, 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 our constant ability to, to overcomplicate the message of Christ, that it just can't be the foolishness of the cross. It's got to be something better. It's got to be something bigger. It's got to be something more. It's just not enough just to be simply accepted. We begin to add to it, and we punish ourselves, and we beat ourselves up for our past, and we, we won't let go of our unforgiveness, and we won't let go of our bitterness, and we won't let God change you. God just wants to change you today. Like right now, your life can be changed forever. Just by saying yes to God, you got bitterness in your life or unforgiveness, you've been hurt. He can heal you right now today in a moment. Like you got sickness in your body, or you've got perspectives about God, or you've got things in your life. You say, man, what can God do? He can heal you right now by faith, just by faith. You just put your faith in Christ, and he just, boom, he just begins to change you. So what's happened, though, is that they begin to accept something different and lukewarmness set in, and they begin to be churchgoers. They just went to church. But what they don't realize is that the very inheritance of the living God lives within them. 
What they don't realize is that God called them to live a victorious life, an overcoming life, a life that doesn't always on the defensive, but goes on the offensive after these areas of our life of fear and doubt and shame and guilt. We go on the offensive and say, guess what? I am a child of the Most High God. I am a son and I'm a daughter of God. I have the inheritance. The inheritance that is Jesus Christ is mine. It belongs to me. I am an overcomer. I am victorious. I will not allow the the situations I face on this planet to define who I am any longer. I am a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And what Paul was trying to do was to get them to refocus their attention on the greatness of Jesus. Because if we focus on the greatness of Jesus, we are restored back into relationship with him. And our inheritance is restored in our life. And we start to live the, the walk with Christ that he intended for us from the very beginning of time. See, what he wanted us to understand is that we have to stop looking to ourselves to save ourselves. We have to put our whole trust in Jesus. When we reduce the greatness of Jesus, it takes our eyes off of Christ and it puts our eyes on us. We begin to lose grasp of who we are. We begin to lose grasp of what God's called us to do and the plan he has for our lives. And we begin to lose grasp. And so we have now a knowledge of good and evil. We don't have that experiential relationship with the living God. We see here something very fascinating that we see in later down in verse 26. Paul's trying to help you understand and help me understand the realities of what this means. Look what it means in Colossians. This message was kept secret for centuries, generations past. In fact, it's now been revealed to God's people that God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you. The riches and the glory of God himself are for you. This is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing in his glory. Now, I know you read this. For those of you who have been to church for a while, especially if you've gone to, uh, well, yeah, I've gone to church for a while. You might read this and think, Amen. Upon his return, we'll share in his glory. He's talking about right now. He's talking about then, but he's also talking about now. This is where the enemy wants us to believe that the glory of God and the riches of God and the victorious living of God and the breakthrough life of God and the joy of God and the peace of God and the life of God that lived in Christ while he walked on the planet. See, as we look to Jesus, the enemy wants us to think that that's not reserved for us now, we just get that when we go to heaven. So, oh, God Almighty, I can't wait till I get to heaven. But you understand, sir, that if we look all throughout the Scriptures, you can't really find any examples in Scripture where people were fully experiencing what it meant to be a true son and daughter of God, 
where they live their entire life fully living in this way. You cannot really find many examples of people who live that completely. You'll find some examples. You'll find Abraham and David and, and Peter and all these people who had moments of, of expression in their life. But there's only one person we can look to who we can really understand how our life is supposed to look like, what it looks like to be a son or daughter of God. What does it look like to walk within the inheritance of the glory of God? What does it look like to have a relationship with God? What does it look like to experience overcoming temptation? What does it look like to endure through the trials that we face? What does it look like? Paul wanted to know that everything that you need to make it in your life and to be glorious and victorious in your life is found in looking at Jesus. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 2. Furthermore, is Paul talking to the Hebrew church, to a bunch of Jews who are having a hard time believing in the humanity of Christ, they had a hard time believing that Jesus would come to earth and was 100% God, but also 100% human. They were having a hard time believing that Jesus experienced the same temptation you did, sexual temptation, pride, greed. Temptation for fear, temptation for discouragement, temptation for doubt. King Ryan, that's not possible. He was God, but he was also 100% human. That's what he says. And furthermore, it's not angels who will control the future world we're talking about. For in one place, the scripture says, he's talking about Adam and Eve. What are the mere mortals? What are humans that you should think about them? Or what is the son of man? He's talking about humans, that you should care for him what he says. For a little while, you made them, humans, a little lower than the angels, but look at this. You crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. And Paul, just to clarify, when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. So when God created humans, he gave them glory, and he gave them honor, and he gave them authority, and he gave them the power to have dominion. He gave them the power to withstand the evil one. You think, well, was the evil one in the garden? Well, he sure was. So who knows how long they were have the ability to, to avoid and to overcome the evil one. We don't know. What we know is that when God created Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden and said, this is the life I want you to basically live out Jesus' life on the planet. They chose themselves. And he says, all of these things were given to them, but we have not yet seen all things put under the human's authority because we have not found a human on the earth that has been able to walk the, what it looks like to be a son of God, what it looks like to be a daughter of God, what it looks like to be one who shares in the inheritance. But the scripture says, we, we do see Jesus who for a little while, in the same way as Adam and Eve, was given a little lower than the angels, just like Adam and Eve, and, but he was given the authority, but he suffered death for us, and he is now crowned with glory and honor. So Jesus, who was, the crown, glory and honor was reserved for Adam and Eve, they screwed up. Jesus came to make it right, and now he wants to give that same glory and honor to you right now on this planet. He wants to give you access back to a victorious life where fear and addiction and hardship and temptation, we face them, we deal with them, we fail, 
we sin, we're not perfect, but I want you to know today that we can look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, to understand the inheritance that we should have right now today. And that's why Paul was trying to bring them back. Try to bring them back to the greatness of Jesus. Because they begin to think that, that if I, I do this in my own strength, or if I do this in my own power, if it's religion, or if it's deeper things, or, and he says, no, 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 no. Those things are going to make you lukewarm. Those things are going to lead you to destruction. Those things are going to lead you to a place where you're lukewarm. If you want to experience an ignition in your soul for the presence of the living God, look to Jesus. If you want to experience transformation in your marriage, look to Jesus. If you want to see breakthrough and addiction and sin in your life, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. That's what he's saying. Go back to the greatness of Jesus. Go back to the reality of Jesus, that he died on a cross. He rose on the third day, not just for a great story, so that you can be a partaker of the divine nature right now on this planet. You can experience that right now. Look what he says in the scripture. He wants us to understand that we can rule and reign. And he comes to the very end of our verse here. And I want to read it again for you in verse 27. Look what he says. For God wanted them to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you. Now this could transform your life. You're not meant to live in bondage. You're not meant to live in fear. You're not meant to live in discouragement. You're not meant to live feeling overcome by the things of this world. You're not meant to live in a place where trials derail you. You're not meant to live in a place where temptation overcomes you. You're not meant to live in that way. Now, are we perfect? No, but God intended you to live, to rule, to reign, to have authority, to conquer, to win in this life. He says it, life in life, what? Abundantly. How many of us have the living God, Christ Jesus living within us? The very power of God himself exists within us. Yet we're not accessing the inheritance that belongs to you. And he says this. Paul ended the chapter with this verse because he knew that this was the potential. You must. Everyone say must. You must continue to believe this truth. You must continue to believe that you are a son and daughter of the Most High God. You must continue to believe that he's enabled you to share in this inheritance. You must continue to believe and stand on this truth that you've been rescued, that you've been forgiven, that you've been redeemed, that you've been transferred from darkness into light. You must continue to believe that God has pulled you into his presence. Sometimes when I come to church, my heart grieves because I, I don't think maybe people who are in the room understand that you didn't walk in this room with the, with the ability to stand in the presence of God, he enabled you to stand in the presence of the living God without fear or shame, knowing that all of your sin has been washed away as far as the east is from the west. Only by the righteousness of Jesus Christ can we stand in the very presence of a holy God. And when God looks at us and says, you are blameless and righteous and holy in my sight. He says, you must firmly stand on this truth. Why? He says, because I know that you could drift could drift away from this assurance that you can share in the glory. You can drift away from this faith 
that you are more than over, a conqueror through Christ, and more overcomer than Christ who gives you strength. You can move away from this, this idea that he wants to provide everything for your life that you need. You want to move away and drift away from this idea that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We drift away from the idea that I can overcome temptation. You drift away from the idea that every trial I face is for the, the development of my faith, and God's in it, and God loves me. We drift away from the idea that our Heavenly Father loves us without question, without concern. He loves us more today than he's ever loved us. It doesn't matter what we've done or where we've been. He never, ever stops loving and caring for his people. Don't drift away. Don't drift away. Paul says, don't drift away. Stand firmly on this. Don't get distracted by the philosophies and the patterns of this world. Don't let new age thinking come into your mind. Don't think that it's about interpretation of this or angels that. It's about Jesus. And if we keep our attention on Jesus, the Bible says in 1 Colossians 1, that as we engage Christ, what happens is, is that God will give us more knowledge of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he will actually help us live a life worthy of the call of God. And as we live the life worthy of the call of God, he gives us more knowledge of Jesus, more knowledge of Jesus, more knowledge of Jesus, so that you can live the life that God intended you to live. I'm going after this today because I believe there are too many people in the church who are living like zombies, walking around lukewarm when the, the power of the Holy Ghost lives inside of you. When Jesus Christ himself lives inside of you. When you are called to be victorious and overcomers and breakthrough and preach the gospel and be joy and peace and life in your life. But we're all walking around like a bunch of zombies. He wants to set you free today by the power of his spirit and revive in your heart a restoration of the joy of your salvation and bring it back to Jesus. Bring it back to Jesus. Like a couple of friends of ours were sharing some incredible stories about when they first met Jesus. And the comment was made, man, I missed those days. I wonder where that was. And I began to think about that thought and thought, man, I want to see that again too. I want to see God move in your life again too. I want to see God move in our midst how are we going to get God to move in our midst? God, how will you come? He says, if you, Brian, if you keep your eyes on me, if you lift my name high, I will draw all men to thee. If I just keep my attention on Jesus, he's my source, he's my help, he's my advocate, he's my guide, he's my truth, he's my hope, he's my life. I just keep my attention on Jesus. And I want to make you a promise today. The power of the Holy Spirit will come and he will transform you at the name of Jesus, at the mention of Jesus. He changes you transforms you. He makes you new. He speaks to your heart. He speaks to your night. Come on, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, right now. Lord, I pray for you right now, Jesus. I pray for every heart in this place. Lord, who has become lukewarm in their walk with you. Lord, those who are here today watching online, who don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Today, God, we just say, Father, we come to you today, God, and we say, Jesus, we put our attention back on you. We put our focus back on you, not our effort, not our good do-goodism, Lord, not on the things we've done, but God, on you, on your salvation, on your hope, on your rescuing, on your grace. We put our attention on you, Jesus. And Father, I pray today for every heart that's discouraged, every heart that's broken, every heart that's hurting, every heart that's misunderstood, every heart here today who feels like they've lost connection with you, Father. I pray today, Lord, that they would, Jesus, that you would enter their heart and they would restore the joy of their salvation. And they would be reminded today of who you've called them to be. They are conquerors. They are overcomers. God, they have been called to live and to rule and to reign on this earth. We love you, Father, today with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you stand to your feet?
here this morning. We're just going to sing one last song here today. Come on, you're here today and you um, would like to give your life to Jesus here online. Come on, we want you to know this Jesus. It's very simple. There's a slide on the screen. Text the word Jesus. Text his name to this number. We'd love to get to know you. We'd love to get you a Bible, get you to know Jesus better. But come on, let's just sing this song together as we close out our time. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.